Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. A roast as dark as the night. Perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes. He's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of spring Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> I'm me, me be, goddamn, I am, I can, sing and hear me, know me, if you want to destroy my sweater. Hold this thread as I walk away, as I walk away, watch me unravel, I'll soon be naked, lying on the floor, lying on the floor, I come undone, (laughs) my name is Jonas, I'm carrying the will, this is all you've shown us, this is how we feel. Um, hey everybody, we're doing our Weezer episode. Here's some more. Uh, Somebody's hiney is crowding my icebox. Somebody's cold one is giving me chills. Guess I'll just close my eyes. Wrestle with Jimmy! <laughs> okay, hi, I'm the bruiser, Jake. Why are you so far away from me? I need help in your way across the sea. I could never, never touch, touch you. you. I, I think, think it, it would be wrong. wrong. Oh, I'm dumb, <laughs> she's a lesbian. I thought I had found the one. We were good as married in our minds, but married in our minds, no good. Oh, pink triangles on the street. Let me know the truth. Let me know the truth. You know what, Holton? I'm sorry to our audience. Obviously, we're singing a lot of very obscure songs, a lot of like lesser known hits from Weezer. Let's sing one of the big hits. You know, the songs everybody knows. Beverly Hills. Gimme, gimme. That's where I, I want, want to be. Gimme, gimme. Gimme. <laughs> I think gimme, gimme, I think's the part where. <laughs> yeah, it's. 
hip, hip. Actually, hold, I mean, we've done, I've done the research, Holden. I don't know if you have. I don't know if you've looked into this. <laughs> but uh, according to the tracks on Spotify, uh, Weezer is actually the band that sang Island in the Sun. And then they did some <laughs> the other stuff. But from a just raw number standpoint, <laughs> Weezer should be the Island in the Sun band. That is, from an economics perspective, from a music industry standpoint, <laughs> Weezer is Island in the Sun, and then they had some other hits. All right, let's get into it. I am Blue Album Bruiser Holden McNeely. And I am your uh, sad, self-hating nerd who's so fucking horny, Pinkerton Jake. <laughs> and... This is our episode on Weezer. I'm so excited to do this one. I am, my brain is fried after over the last three days listening to the entire 15 album discography, which is a lot. It's a lot more than you would think. You think you get through the White Album and you're like, you guys are done, right? No, (laughs) there are five more (laughs) albums after that. Luckily, at least most Weezer albums are only a half an hour long, which is hilarious. One of my favorite moments, uh, memories of Weezer was actually going out and getting the Green album the day it came out and then I was gonna go to my friend's place after that to watch a movie and I listened to the entire album on the way there and laughed at the end going that's it that's the whole album it's not even 30 minutes long it's a 28 minute long album it is so crazy um and but also I was okay. Let me give you some background. For hold, me on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We will we'll do our we'll do a personal experience. I just I just really need to stress. How, I don't know if I can do these kind of episodes anymore, Holden. You <laughs> can't keep doing 30 long, continuous year careers <laughs> episodes. It breaks me. I was I was thinking about like my cousins. I was thinking about the Clinton administration. I was thinking about like how I've changed as a person from high school to college to like post-college to like to now. I had like eight midlife crises. Holden, do you understand? Weezer has been around now as a like uh, as a fully formed rock band for exactly as long as uh, the Rolling Stones were before Weezer was formed. Like all, it is all my life fucking years, man. That's all my so life much. And what's so weird is I was only a fan mostly of their just their first two albums <laughs> since I was first listening to music though mm-hmm. and that's kind of the crazy thing about them. They have been around forever. I have seen them live. I want to tell you about that experience as well because it's very bizarre. And I've, you know, I think this is the biggest example from my life of a thing that I was in love with that, quote unquote, sold out. I mean, this is such a like the The Simpsons, George Lucas, definitely in that line. But this the story behind this is so much more interesting. This is the ultimate nerd boy artist story, Mm -hmm. in, in my opinion, because the story about someone who kind of like in their opinion at least, showed their whole ass with an album. Like, mm-hmm. just just put everything... They literally... Rivers Cuomo literally says, like, I, it's like I everything in my deepest, darkest thoughts that I would write in my journal just were exposed to, like, everybody around the world, and everyone went, like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. And then I, like, went away for five years. And that's crazy. And then came back with the most, like, just placid, like, no risk taken absolutely just uh, on the level pop rock, but it became hugely successful for them, which is crazy. Like, I remember, I remember I was in a blockbuster video and I heard 
the song Beverly Hills Come On. And I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. That was like a different band from the band I fell in love Cause with. Because I'm seeing rapping through a really basic melody. Uh, they were and all doing that. And there's nothing that I'm saying that will resonate with thee. Yeah, with thee. Nice. Here's the hook. All right, here's the hook. Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gimme, gimme. Meanwhile, the man lives in Santa Monica. He can very easily go to Beverly Hills. It's not that far. It's, it's so different from the guy who wrote, why bother? <laughs> it's gonna hurt me. It's gonna kill when you desert me. It's happened to me twice before. It's not happened to me anymore. Dude, that song, that whole album spoke to me, a mm. very desperate, horny, sad boy that just felt the same way. And anytime I heard music like that, I remember being obsessed with uh, 1099 Smooth Out Slappy Hours, the Green Day album, their first album. And it had all these songs about infatuation and, you know, never getting the girl. And I just can, I was, anytime I could hear music like that, I was like, thank God I feel seen. You know, I didn't say I feel seen because that's like a newer thing that I could (laughs) say, right? Finally, my life journey has been validated is what you probably (laughs) thought to yourself at age 12, I assume. Yes. Well, how old was I so, Okay, let, let me take it back a second, all right? Mm-hmm. Let me get my personal gush at this time. I, I, I feel this is one of the ones I'm mo- more excited about because I, I, I mean, this the, the Blue Album, it probably had more to do with me being in bands than I even realized until, you know, realized until doing this episode because the Blue Album was the only album that when I was a little kid, I had it on cassette tape, by the way. Mm-hmm. This is like just before I got a CD player and started collecting CDs. So it was one of the early tapes that I owned. And I listened to that thing over and over again. I still to this day feel like there's not a bad song on that album. It's incredible. My name is Jonas. No one else. The world has turned and left me here. Buddy Holly, Undone the Sawyer song, Surf Wax America, Say It Ain't So, In the Garage, Holiday, and Only in Dreams are all fantastic. I listen to that and I would perform, quote unquote, that entire album as if I was on stage. Mm -hmm. It was one of the only, I've never done that with a different album. I would get, I would stand there and do every song. I knew all the lyrics or at least could mouth them (laughs) all and kind of, do them and play air guitar and just rocked out in my bedroom to that entire album. And I do just truly love it. And it still is this spectacular thing of that era. Like it was a magical time. Alt rock was king Mm -hmm. for the first, like hair metal was going by the wayside and and MTV was king. MTV was big. If you had a buzz band or the, whatever the buzz bin thing was, it was your ticket to greatness and everything was like, interesting and hard and aggressive and like, but weirdly vulnerable and powerful. Like they tuned the guitars to sound better through a cassette tape on a car stereo. Yes. Like everything about, and you know, I, I don't really, uh, you know, as a child, uh, Pearl Jam's 10 didn't quite resonate with me. It sounded cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was my, uh, Nevermind older, didn't sound. That was my like, older brother's music. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, I loved Nirvana. And even Dookie but, was like a little bit like, I, first of all, you can't even hear what Billy Joe is saying half the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, secondly, you know, it's a little grotier. It's a little like a uh, grunge, uh, not grunge, grunge is the show. You know what I mean? It's, uh, but like, I can't resonate with it. Blue Album was about being a kid. Fucking, I had Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler in my, on, you know, in the garage. That's the other thing I was going to say. Yeah, you have a song like In the Garage talking about, you know, yeah, 20-sided die mm-hmm. and all, all this nerd stuff. And you look at the cover of the album and it's just four, like, nerd dudes that I could be. <laughs> well, I could be one of those guys. Well, there's three nerds and Matt Sharp, the just prime alpha Chad that yeah. we know him to be. <laughs> 
<laughs> not a weird man in a pink shirt who looks scared of being alive. It's like amazing. You 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 know talk about again. I hate the phrase, but feeling seen. You're like, oh my god, maybe I could be a rock star. You mm-hmm. know, and which is. So funny because uh, as we'll get into the origin of Rivers Cuomo and the band getting together, you know, for he started out trying to be a metal god, you know, before he d- d- realized, oh, this is actually a good direction to go. I'll get a bowl cut and dress like I dressed when I was a little kid, and like, what a smart realization. But then, you know, that's 1994. Obsessed with the album. 96 rolls around. This album, Pinkerton cover, looks awesome. Pick it up, take it home, in love with it. And again, it is 10, in my opinion, still 10 perfect songs. Like, just, it, 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 there's not a bad song on that album, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also, and did I say this on an episode of Wizard the Bruiser Proper? I think I said it on a Patreon bonus episode. So I want to reiterate that Weezer Blue album. Pinkerton and the Green Album are per, uh, perfect uh, one-to-ones to the original Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> Blue Album is a new hope. It is like a by-the-numbers perfect pop rock album. It has everything. It is just this quintessential album. Pinkerton is the Empire Strikes Back. It's the dark turn. It's like not your not your classic uh, uh, tale, you know, hero's journey. It is this, it's, it totally kind of throws you off mm-hmm. kilter a little bit with its, you know, song of of being lonely and ex- and exasperated and upset and uh, all that good stuff and then the green album comes out and it's like a happy meal made into an album right or a happy meal made into a movie as Return of the Jedi would be with the Ewoks and stuff right same kind of same kind of thing uh, here just this perfect little thing that is just nothing <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean not Return of the Jedi is not nothing but come on it's like the cookie cutter ridiculousness um and then it goes on from there i started trying to to see how uh but then also make believe the red album and ratitude and hurley are the original star wars trilogy and then the new star wars trilogy or i'm sorry the prequels rather mm-hmm. those albums are the prequels and then everything will be all right in the end white album so by which you mean you don't like them because they represent a departure from what you once loved oh, but there's a bunch right. of kids who didn't know any better yes, and are actually exactly. like super fine with it cuz it was just what was around and what they enjoyed as children 100% and nothing i say will convince you otherwise i also will say i'll i'll, leave, I'll tell you what i'll leave my live show uh, anecdote for later because i don't want to do too much gush up top mm-hmm. uh, in terms of my personal relationship. But then, honestly, yeah, the Green Album came out. I still like the Green Album Maladroit I stuck with. Those yeah, are yeah. the last two albums I went out and bought like day one and and enjoyed elements of them. You know, what's, you know what I weirdly remember about Green Album and Maladroit is that they were like ads for it on cable TV. Oh, weird. And it was very weird to see like, you know, be like the new album by Weezer. Get Maladroit at Tower Records. I just remember... It was so weird that the lead single on the Green Album was Hash Pipe, and the lead single on the Maladroit album was uh, Dope Nose. Yeah. And I could never figure remember which was on which, <laughs> and it was so funny. And then, yeah, and then Make Believe I was the, I didn't even listen to it. I didn't even give it a chance. That, that Beverly Hills single came out, and I was just like, so much cooler than that, Jake. But that's the funny thing, was by that point, I'm listening to Wilco mm-hmm. and Neutral Milk Hotel, and I'm in college, and I'm listening to Postal Service yep, yep, and yep, Jazz. Yep. Holden, stop singing my song with your words. <laughs> Am I, yeah, what's your, I mean, is it a similar personal relationship, uh, Jake? Almost one-to-one, uh, The weirdest kind of off-ramp, I think, was uh, when in 1996, I went to summer camp and my aunt was like, 
hey, I'll get you some CDs because, nice. uh, you know, I'm being a nice aunt and I want to get you something while you're at camp. And I was like, oh, my God, uh, I, my CD collection was just get I was just finally filling up that little, you know, uh, rubber notebook of CDs with the plastic sleeves that every child of the 90s had. And I was like, oh, can I please uh, get me the Weezer album? Not even realizing that Pinkerton had come out because I'm a child and I don't read Rolling Stone or anything. And um, she gives me Pinkerton. And I'm like, oh, no, this is, I, you know, I'm, I'm young enough that I'm like pissy. I'm like, this isn't what I wanted. Uh, I listened to it. It's loud. It's grating. It's weird. It's aggressive. It's sad. I just, I, it has this stink on it for like so many years. And it's not till I get to college that I listen to it again. Yes. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, the phrase, I'm a lot like you, so please, hello, I'm here, I'm waiting, Waited. resonated oh, a lot I more. I think I should be good for, for you. you. And, and you, you, you'd be good for me. Dude, it's not, it's more than that. I used to put that album on. So it was like, I went years of, I actually, and this is like one of the only indie cred things I think I could have to my name as a kid was I loved this album before, even when it wasn't cool to love this album. And then finally in college around sophomore, junior year, I had a couple of evenings where I put this album on a bunch of guys who looked just like me. We all sat around getting hammered, singing every single song. Mm -hmm. Like, and those were really cool nights of like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm in a room full of people who also know all the lyrics to this album, who also love this thing because I watched this thing take a note dive I watched people not like it and then I watched my favorite one of my favorite bands of all time also just completely change pace and just put this stuff out that jokes on us was their highest selling singles and probably made the most money off of the music that also was completely riskless and completely like just so okay pop so fodder you know what I mean I want to I before I once we get to the history it's just going to be like and then this happened and then this happened and then this <laughs> happened so like I love talking about the feelings and the emotions of this a lot more uh the um not that being said, we will present the information in a dazzling comedic array of interesting <laughs> Jake, tidbits and sideswipes. <laughs> the fact is, like, it feels like Weezer is always missing the boat a little bit. Uh, Pinkerton comes out in 96, and at that point, grunge is actually kind of on its way out, and the ska revival is taking over, and, um, uh, like, the Spice Girls and the Backstreet Boys are coming into vogue, and, like, true pop is kind of taking the throne again. Uh, Green Album, Maladroid, Make Believe are all kind of just in the background pumping out radio hits when the original Weezer audience is now getting into. Like you said, Wilco, Indie Rock, The Shins, all this shit is happening. We're living in a garden state world when, and we just live in it. <laughs> then, you know, all these things happen and it feels like for the 2010s, there's just a perennial, no, 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 this one recaptured the magic and like I never bothered, kind of like the, you know, Simpsons or anything else, Family Guy. Every other thing that I once like was obsessed with and just kind of let by the wayside. Listening to all this stuff now, it's good. It's power pop. Yeah. Like the fact that it's maybe doesn't like hit as hard as uh, Pinkerton does and it's not as like raw and like innovative as uh, Blue Album. He is still like Rivers is still a solid songwriter. And for every dumb like radio hit that he's going for, there's something in every at least one or two tracks that really do recapture that magic. The man can write a hook. I will try to send up some of those 
uh, tracks that are on some of the albums I think people have looked past. And there are oh no, I'm saying there there are all there are acts that have lived in my heart that have filled that same zone that Weezer has. I love Ben Folds, yeah, who also kind of like just tinks around, comes up with some hooky kind of uh, nonsense songs, and also has some experimental stuff in there, but just consistently putting out. Uh, I don't want to say auteur, but like definite pop rock, like down the middle songs. Uh, They might be giants also like sticks to a formula for the most part and just kind of keeps iterating on it for an audience that loves it. And even though they're a little detached and a little distant, there's still things in there that you resonate with. And honestly, if I had stuck with Weezer going through the music that I've been listening to this whole week, I'd probably be one of those weirdos that show up and do the dumb W sign at their concerts. Like I would, I would be absolutely still love Weezer. I don't think I'm not as mad. I'm not as betrayed by their turn uh, that I was when we started. We'll tell the tale too about how they went all the way out into that territory that was so far from Pinkerton and then actually came back around Eventually, in 2014, with Everything Will Be All Right in the End, and 2016's The White Album, are fantastic albums I think harken back to those earlier days. And then they made five more albums <laughs> after that and are now working on a four-album box set. We have got to get into it. It is such a profound, prolific amount of musical output. And at the same time, it is ratitude. It is pork and beans. It is ridiculousness. It is Rivers Cuomo and crew uh, Weezer is an American rock band formed in Los Angeles, California back in 1992. Uh, it consists of Rivers Cuomo on lead vocals, guitar, and keyboards, Patrick Wilson on drums, Brian Bell on guitar and keyboards, and at this point, or to this day, Scott Schreiner on bass and keyboards, though it's a bit of a defense of the dark arts situation. Uh, there's a bit of a rotating <laughs> bassist role throughout their many years. He replaced- I mean, to quote uh, Matt Damon in that one SNL sketch, uh, sketch. Yeah, sketches. Those comedy sketches. Uh, Weezer didn't even start till Scott Schreiner joined. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he was the replacement for Mikey Welch, who replaced Matt Sharp on bass in the original lineup. Woo-hoo-hoo. So let's talk about. I think the main focal point of Weezer Rivers Cuomo. You think what? Right? A <laughs> uh, Rivers run through runs through it. Oh, classy. And then this happened. Rivers was born in New York City in 1970 and raised in Rochester, New York. His father was a musician who played drums on a jazz album and uh, with saxophonist Wayne Shorter, which is no skimp on uh, talent there. If you're able to get on a jazz album with Wayne Shorter, you're pretty fucking good at playing the drums. He was raised at the Rochester Zen Center. This is going to be a big interesting element to his basis uh to the ba- to his background here's the thing you might have uh, gotten a clue that his parents were raised by uh weird hippies at a uh, meditation center by the fact that his name is rivers yes this is true uh yeah it's a buddhist center he was raised there until he was five then his father left the family and his mother moved the family to an ashram in connecticut called yogaville an ashram is a monastery dedicated to yoga related teachings so doing a lot of meditation doing a lot of yoga. He was in this unique American community until the jarring age of 11 when his family moved to Mansfield, Connecticut, where he attended an average American middle school, which was very, very much a a bit of a rip in time for him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he goes from this super floofy do kind of way of life, and now it's bullies and clicks and all this kind of shit that he was not prepared for. I feel like anybody who's ever had to like move to a strange place, uh, 
has that feeling of just your world getting turned upside down, just like the rules have completely changed. You don't know anybody. There's no one on your side. And it can like mess with a person. I don't like I definitely moved when I was a little kid and it fucked me up for a while. To the point he changed his name to Peter just to like not get fucked with and try to fit in. He would, of course, eventually change his name back to Rivers. Also, his uh, brother leaves Cuomo, (laughs) changed his name to Jimmy, and thus the famous line, wrestle with Jimmy. Oh, wow, his name really was Leaves? I thought you were making a joke. No, no, no. Uh, Rivers (laughs) had a brother named Leaves, and uh, they changed, they both changed their name, uh, Rivers to Pete and and, uh, Leaves to James. Uh, I know this because I looked up the lyrics on Genius.com to Say It Ain't So, and there were people fighting a lot whether Wrestle With Jimmy meant, like, uh, overcoming your addiction to uh, Jim Bean, or if it was about his actual brother whose name was Jimmy. Right, right, right. Uh, So he also wanted to be a pro football player, but he had an issue with one of his legs, which is going to come into play later in the making of Pinkerton. One was two inches shorter than the other, and this drove him instead to dream of becoming a rock star. And again, also added to his outcast feeling, his, you know, his, his nerd, whole nerd, Holden, are you suggesting that his early obsession with hair metal was not the fact that it represented a uh, ideal of coolness and creative masculinity uh, specific to the late 80s, and rather he just wanted to wear those fancy platform boots so that his weird legs would even out? Is that what you're saying? All I'm saying is that his glam metal outfit was tragically titled Avant Garde. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it was he self-described it as quote the most sophisticated speed metal that ever existed <laughs> and that's kind of where he put a lot of his passions in which I totally get as a kid who escaped in his high school band uh, to get away from all of the exact shit he was being bullied for previous after high school in 1989 Cuomo and band moved to LA. They changed their name to Zoom because they obviously could foresee the popularity of the uh, video chat platform, video chat platform, which is such a tragedy because Discord is definitely a better name for your hair metal. band. (laughs) (laughs) They uh, failed to make waves and they broke up in 1990. And this is also makes a lot of sense because they're getting to L.A. trying to do the metal thing on the Sunset Strip right when it's all crashing down Mm -hmm. the whole hair metal thing. If you want to watch the uh, a bit of the rise and fall of that, definitely watch the uh, Fall of Western Civilization Part Two, the hair metal years. It is one of my favorite documentaries ever made, and it's all about that scene that they were trying to invade, but unfortunately, that was all crashing down as grunge was taking over, you know. And so, yeah, the, the Guns and Roses, Motley Crue, all that came out of that big LA scene. It's all it all got oversaturated. The cultural trends just started changing in general towards grunge, towards what was happening in Seattle. And another blow at the time was that he failed out of school. Uh, The school he was attending was the Guitar Institute of Technology. And he just kind of got lost in the sauce. He was feeling a little bit in between things. Um, And he realized, like, maybe I need to go back to my roots. Maybe I need to restart this whole thing. He got rid of the glam metal facade and... uh, went with this. Rivers said, Weezer was an intentional paring down of guitar technique, song structure, and lyrical persona, so that it would be so innocent and unintentional, and seem like we had just picked up our instruments 12 months before. I stopped using hair gel, Aquanet, and hairspray. I looked at those pictures of me when I was four or five, and I had the sunglasses and a bowl cut, a t-shirt, and a blue windbreaker. It was just like, this is how I am in my natural state. And another thing that happened 
happened was he was working at Tower Records at the time. He's taking classes at Los Angeles City College, and Nirvana comes out with an album called Bleach, and the lead single is a song called Sliver. And actually, I would like us to, if we could hear uh, a little sample of that, uh, please. Mom and Dad went to a show. They dropped me off at Grandpa Joe's. I kicked and screamed, said, Please, Grandma, take me home. He hears these lyrics. Grandma, take me home. Grandma, take me home. Grandma, take me home. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Are you saying this pared down grunge uh, 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 portrayal of a scared and awkward child? in raw emotions influence the blue album all i'm saying is the fir- <laughs> the name of his glam metal act was called avant-garde tragically <laughs> uh so yeah he's hearing lyrics that, that are like first softly spoken and then later screamed in a, in a metal way uh but about about someone's grandmother and about their small town and about being a boy and he's like that's what i want to do i want to write songs you have to have the quote right you have to have the quote this is so beautiful to me and i identify with it so much. Hearing him sing about mom and dad and grandpa Joe, these personal family issues in a really heartbreaking kind of innocent childlike way over these straightforward chords in a major key. But then the distortion kicks in and he starts screaming, shit, that's what I want to do. There you go. Is that the quote? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Rivers Cuomo befriends a dude at Tower Records named Pat Finn uh, and he introduces Rivers to the his future drummer, Patrick Wilson, who is a big fan of They Might Be Giants and Van Halen. Mm-hmm. See where this is kind of going. <laughs> Uh, for sure. Rivers moves in with Patrick Wilson and Patrick Wilson's friend as well, a guy named Matt Sharp. Matt Sharp, kind of a lanky, artsy guy who's sort of, you know, kind of more on the indie sensibility. Supposedly, the uh, the main impetus for Rivers moving in with them was that Matt Sharp was making good money uh, telemarketing fancy dog shampoo. Yes, yeah, I'm glad you got that fact. And so he had a uh, 8-track tape recorder in the apartment, and so Rivers was like, oh, do you think he'll let me use it? And Pat was like, yeah, of course. It'll be cool. <laughs> so they start a band called Fuzz with a female bassist. The female bassist leaves after a couple of shows. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The female bassist. This is very important to, D- to, to Whisbrew Lord. glam metal band's name was avant-garde. Go on, Jake. Hold it. Not just any female bassist. It was Scotty Chapman, who I'll have you know was one of the weird extra Mythbusters on the first three seasons weird. of Mythbusters. What? Before Carrie Byron, the redhead, got involved, there was a different lady on the Mythbusters. Her name was Scotty Chapman, and she was the bassist in Fuzz, that weird band that Rivers Cuomo and Pat formed before they became Weezer. Uh-oh, boinky, boinky, boinky. <laughs> you know what that sound means? You just won fact of the week. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, Jay. The people willing to listen to a Weezer history episode are definitely down with going, huh, that's a neat fact about the Mythbusters. You just won a box of Lunchables from Cotton. We'll send those your way in the next couple of months. It better be those disgusting cold pizza ones. Those are the only (laughs) ones I eat. So then they get together with two other guys, including a guitarist named Jason Cropper, and form a band called 60 Wrong Sausages. But that also does not last very long. During this time, Cuomo, by the way, he's like doing a hair metal sound. Then he's kind of imitating Perry Farrell uh, for a little while, his vocal styles. And he realizes, what if I like 
take it down to my natural singing voice. He said, as I had sung in choir in high school, it was the strangest thing. I was like, wait, you can just sing like with your normal voice (laughs) over a rock band and it will work. But again, all of these things you don't think about until you realize like the planning that went into it. Yeah, they're doing this thing where they're sounding like a garage band, but they're doing it on such a level with such a musical knowledge and such a, a just a damn good hit making knowledge, you mm-hmm. know, um, that that it feels like it's your friends, but they're fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that makes sense. The Blue Album sounds like you think your high school garage band sounds in your yes. head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like you wish it would. And like I wished it would when I was a kid rocking out in my bedroom. So Cuomo then moves to Santa Monica to go to another college and sets out to write 50 songs back to back before allowing himself to have another band or perform live. He ends up getting to around 30 all told. But it should also be noted that during this time, he had his heart broken twice big time. And this really is going to set a foundation for him and his musical sensibilities. And honestly, it's like those life, those, those big heartbreaks and big moments in your young life that really bring you towards, again, a, a unique sound all, all your own. Right. So he had to go through that, I think, just to get this like horny nerd boy sound Mm -hmm. to finally click and 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 bring it to the world he records a demo uh using some of those 30 songs uh, and he puts on an eight track cassette recorder uh, a bunch of songs including the world has turned and left me here and undone the sweater song now matt sharp the bassist hears this gets super psyched he's like you're a genius. You've got a. I'll have it right here. Sharp said, I think Matt called me and said, uh, I'm sorry, Rivers, I believe, said this. I think Matt called me and said, You're a genius. I'm going to be your bass player. We're going to be in a band. I can. Conf- it confirmed all my greatest hopes for myself. Knowing he felt so strongly about the songs was all the confidence I needed. And so essentially, Matt Sharp's also like, I'll, I'll just like be our manager. I'll just, I'm going to just. I'm going to take what you've done and we're going to fucking get it out there. Uh, Before you keep going, it's uh, these original demos, these solo rivers kind of proto blue album songs sound way different than uh, what you're imagining. Uh, The alone tapes have been like leaked several times to the internet. A lot of them are on YouTube for you to listen to. And like, just to, just for a second, like this is undone in the proto version. This is what like Matt Sharp listened to. And like was like we can work with this, and it sounds like it's almost a different song. Hold on a sec. Uh, can we get a get a get a couple of seconds of that in there? It is crusty. It is like, 
interesting what's going on there. Also, Buddy Holly, the early version of that, also from the Alone Tapes, is like a nightmare zone. It is genuinely haunting. Again, just to like capture what, like the, the the what I'm gonna say is the like base ingredients that turned into the white album and what they turned it into. Uh, can we get Buddy Holly from the Alone Tapes? What's with his homies kissing my Outright spooky. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. It's time to stop making excuses. The peace of mind you get after a colonoscopy is worth it. It's the best way to prevent and detect one of the deadliest cancers. In fact, your doctor can remove precancerous polyps during the procedure if necessary. That's right, before it even turns to cancer. No buts about it. Get a colonoscopy at 45 and follow up every 10 years or as recommended by your doctor. Find a location or schedule now at avera.org slash colon. We should also note he recorded a rap album under the name Vegetarists, and it is about his lifelong vegetarianism. Thank God it cannot be found anywhere, uh, and it has been lost to time. Uh, there uh, was also a kind of girlfriend he was with at the time named Jennifer Chiba, who had a profound effect on his taste and approach to the band. Rivers said, she was the coolest thing. She was three years older, the first half-Japanese girl I met. God damn! <laughs> she turned me on to Flaming Lips and Seboda, uh, Sebado, rather, and did wonders for my confidence, saying, all hipsters are going to think you're the coolest. She's like, you're going to be cuter if you cut your hair. That was the first time any girl had said that. Until then, it was always, no, don't cut your hair. And you can see those early pictures of Rivers with the long hair, and he does look ridiculous. He, you see the nerd, like... Wearing a wig, essentially, in those pictures. So the initial lineup known as Weezer formed in February of 1992 is Rivers Cuomo, Patrick Wilson, Matt Sharp, and Jason Cropper. The name actually came from a nickname that Rivers' father gave him, the one that left him when he was just a young boy. Uh, and Cuomo, Rivers Cuomo has always had issues with that. Always, you know, for years, it, we actually will kind of come back to that later on in this episode when he sort of comes to accept his father's abandoning of him. Uh, but he 
He would still address him as, in letters that he wrote to him, he would address him as to Weezer, without the H, W-E-E-Z-E-R. And that's where he got the name. Cuomo said, I guess it even ties back to what I was saying about Sliver. Just this feeling of being this helpless little kid that's abandoned or neglected. It was definitely the right name. And perfect, again, that's why the Blue Album just perfectly slots into the grunge movement, because it was constantly speaking towards people who felt that way. And I wasn't abandoned by my parents, but... It super spoke to my loner feelings that I had. My, I felt abandoned by society in a lot of ways during those years where I was an awkward middle schooler. Can I say, uh, just I don't know if this makes if this is relatable or if I'm just a dumbass, which I might as well title every time I open my mouth on this <laughs> podcast. Um, but my entire life, I, I was like, I was singing along with saying ain't so. You know, it's a classic thing. I had no. I always thought it was about like. Rivers, it was just a generic, like, oh, I'm a rocker and alcohol is like, you know, fucks me up, man. Like, oh, the tragedy. I did not realize the entire song is from the perspective of a child just upon seeing beers in his fridge, realizing that like his stepfather is starting to drink and that drinking means unhappiness and unhappiness means like someone I love is going to leave me. Mm. Like it's I nearly teared up listening for the first time. With the right context. It yeah. is such a brutal song when it's you know great. the history behind it. Yeah, I think I only knew because I learned it on guitar. It was one of those songs that I learned to try to maybe make girls like me in college, and that which never worked. Just, just screaming about, Dark Father, yeah. Stepfather. Like, you thought that was going to be the one? Yeah, that was, that was you know, movie? in college. Yeah, maybe. In college. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to the YMCA. <laughs> that one didn't work uh, very well either. So, I mean, yeah, I've tried the sad song as well. Uh, their first gig, by the way, weird fact, their first big gig was closing for a band called Dog Star, whose bassist was a young Keanu Reeves. Uh, <laughs> Rivers then gets accepted on scholarship to UC Berkeley and essentially goes to Sharp and says, you got a year to get us a record deal or I'm going to take the Berkeley scholarship and go th- the way of the, the dodo with this band, essentially. But as luck would have it, 1992, after a year of playing small shows and clubs with the same five friends that would always show up, they recorded a demo and included the song Say It Ain't So that Jake just mentioned. And one A&R guy at Gavin Records, just one guy named Todd Sullivan, out of all the places they sent this demo to, heard it and, and thought, this shows enough interest, I should sign them. Very low caliber record deal, nothing crazy, but I think I'm going to give these guys a shot. Geffen, though, however, needed Cuomo to choose a producer for the album. They wanted to do it themselves. They ended up doing it themselves on Pinkerton, but the Geffen was like, no, we're not doing that. So he very wisely goes with Rick Ocasek from the band The Cars. I don't mind your time in here. I mean... Wasting all my time, time. Great, you know, very good pop sensibility, very good at kind of clicking into what's going to be an earworm. Uh, You know, Cars is such a fantastic band, uh, especially for that. So he has the band go to Manhattan and record at Electric Lady Studios. And there, Ocasek and Rivers landed on a set of rules. Here's a couple of them. No reverb. Only downstrokes on the guitar. So this is... I'm so glad you're explaining this because I had no idea what that meant. Okay, so the low E is on the top string of the guitar and the high E is is the bottom string, right? So it goes from low to high. 
So therefore, it's going to be a very bright sound, right? It's never going high to low. It's never going, it's always going, bring. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So when you're slamming your hand, especially in punk, pop punk, you see fucking Billy Joe, whatever, just going, just hammering down on the guitar like that and never pulling up. That's, that's that bright, just poppy, like, like high energy noise, mm-hmm. right? High energy sound. Um, it's very punk-like for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, you see it a lot there. But also, uh, they had the guitars and bass acting as one big instrument. And by that, I mean, like, a lot of times you'll have a bass line that's different from the guitar part, right? Well, essentially what they did was just the bass was playing the same thing the guitar was playing, like the exact same thing. Like, so it just all melds together and almost sounds like one instrument is playing the song. Right, mm-hmm. it's just very unified. They also made the uh, guitars, the instruments uh, in general, super loud and overpowered to the point where you can almost like your the vocals are like being drowned out. And this was very much inspired by Radiohead's uh, "Creep," mm. which also has just heavy guitars with the lyrics kind of falling into the background a lot in a lot of ways. Um, so Buddy Holly was actually intended for a second Weezer album that was going to be more new wave inspired and keyboard based. But Okasik was like, we have to put it on this album. It's going to be a huge hit for us. It's kind of funny because Sharp and Cuomo were actually worried it would be too much of a novelty song and it would disallow the rest of the album to be taken seriously. My The quote uh, from Sharp is... Uh there was a worry that it would become the detachable penis of this album, and <laughs> only people over age 33 will understand why that would be a problem. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it, what's also hilarious is that uh, Cuomo thought that this album was going to be taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of ways, it's it's got a goofiness to it. I mean, even if you watch Undone, the Sweater Song music video, there's, like, so much tragedy and... and um, kind of self-effacement going on in the lyrics, but the video is really silly. I will unravel and be naked and crying alone on the floor. It was a statement of like fear and depression. It was not like, wouldn't it be funny if you pulled the string on my sweater and then my my nipples are out? Waka waka. Like that is not... As a child, I thought that's what the song was about. It's just a silly, like, oopsie-doo, my shirt is off, yoink, yoink, dinkly, doink. Like, I, it's, and especially, I hope uh, we played the uh, demo version. It's rough. It's sad. It's intense. Yeah, Rivers said, I seriously thought we were the next Nirvana, and I thought the world was going to perceive us that way, like a super important, super powerful, heartbreaking, heavy rock band and a serious artists. That's how I saw us. It was just like a gut punch. And that's when I started to realize the world wasn't going to to see Weezer like I did and the world wasn't going to see the Blue Album like I did and so if you think about it he essentially starting with the Green Album was like oh you see us like this then here you go fuckers <laughs> Beverly Hills that's you know what I mean I mean it's like completely self protection uh, the Sweater Song was actually in Rivers' uh, quote darkest thoughts and it became clear everyone else who hears this song is going to think it's hilarious so if you could imagine put yourself in his place I get it so much more now why he took the turn he took starting with the Green Album mm-hmm. where he was just like I put my heart out there and everyone like laughs at it or in Pinkerson's case completely shits on it and looks past it and so of course they spent the next like two decades just pumping out hits with not no soul behind them whatsoever and making crazy good money you know on tour rocking out I mean it it just it's just such a weird 
it's so crazy how that worked for them. Uh, but it's a, definitely a self-protection thing, I feel like. Um, so also, I should say, near the end of this session, they end up firing guitarist uh, Jason Cropper. Uh, there was just a lot of little issues. This happens, especially early on with bands. Uh, apparently, though, uh, Cropper's then-girlfriend had also had gotten pregnant at the time, and it was causing these issues because there was definitely a lot of, like, no girls allowed until we become rock stars kind of mentality, I feel like, going on. Uh, Rivers redid all of his guitar parts, and uh, he did maintain credit, though, for that amazing classic intro from My Name is Jonas, which, by the way, is one of the best, like, album starters mm. of all times. That, that fucking thing. And uh, the replacement for him was Brian Bell, based largely on his general look because he just had that thin kind of heroin addict rock star look and uh, also based on a phone interview. I mean, chances are if you have to imagine, hey, who's that guy in Weezer who's not Rivers Cuomo? You're actually imagining Bell. Yes. And uh, also uh, the phone interview they did with him included the question, what is your favorite Star Wars action figure? It was Hammerhead, by the way. Smart, a, a, weird, a tasteful choice. Yeah, it's a weird one. Also around this time, very serendipitous, they hit it off with uh, music video director Spike Jones. He wins the gig to direct Undone the Sweater Song because he was the only person who uh, did not include any images of a sweater in his pitch. Then he does Happy Days, that um, the, the Happy Days concept for their song Buddy Holly, and I mean, that was explosively popular on MTV. That video played every three videos, I feel like, when that thing first came out. It came packed in with Windows 95. Yeah. I, I, this, I, this is a factoid just for me, because I feel like every weird computer nerd stuck alone on their parents' IBM Aptiva at one point was like tooling around in the Windows file system, and it was like, what the, why is Buddy Holly in a the low compressed MPEG in here? But again, of course, that video adds to this whole issue Rivers is having with the band not really being taken seriously, then being this kind of like, um, kind of, uh, kind of mascot of of grunge and uh, the 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 new rock movement in ways and also a lot of the like cool kids were looking at them being like where did these fuckers come from like pavement and other bands like bands that would since look back on pinkerton and be like that's one of the best you know albums of its of its age of 1996 but at the time, they thought that they were, you know, a studio-created or a label-created act. Industry plants. Yeah. They, thought, they declared industry plant upon them. They got the industry plant treatment. Like, absolutely. So he goes on tour, and then the next big blow happens where he gets very disillusioned from the tour rock star life. He thought he was going to, like, love this lifestyle. He's also, he looks like a nerd boy, and... I think he thought he was going to be this like rock and roll hair metal God that had all the babes and all this stuff. And it just wasn't really like that. Um, so he instead decides to go to Harvard and here is a great re example of why this is an excerpt from his essay that he wrote to get into Harvard. You will. Uh, and he's talking about the, the touring rock star life. You will get lonely. You will meet 200 people every night, but each conversation will generally last approximately 30 seconds and consist of you trying to convince them that no, you do not want their underwear. Then you will be alone again in your motel room, or you will be on your bus in your little space trying to kill the nine hours it takes to get to the next city, whichever city it is. This is the life of a rock star. Sounds a little overdramatic, but, you know, mm -hmm. I get it. I mean, I think that, unfortunately, he never understood what it was like to spend all of your 20s working in a 
insurance office, <laughs> I would feel very different about the nine hours I had to kill to get to the next city. But that said, just he didn't click with them. He'd rather he even said things along the lines of, I'd rather be at home with a good book and a cup of tea. It's just not, you know, I'm realizing this is just not really the life for me, at least at this point in his life, because goddamn, would they end up touring an ass load throughout the rest of their career over the next three decades. I mean, the uh, the other members of the band were definitely aware of his disengagement. They knew he was applying to universities. They knew that something was going on. Uh, Sharp started getting more involved with the Rentals, which was his like kind of synth pop uh, spinoff band that was uh, going to find success uh, in a year or so. Uh, other people were uh, working on their side projects, kind of feeling the beginning of the end. And uh, in fall of 1905, Cuomo, yeah, enrolls in Harvard and starts, like, learning about classical music theory and English and psychology and doing all this heady kind of stuff, writing papers like a fucking normal person. Uh, In the article that covers the origin of the Blue Album, it ends on a very funny note. uh, When recalling this uh, era, Cuomo grins and recalls the thought that came to mind no more than two or three weeks after uh, he joined his first semester – I kind of want to go back to being in a band. (laughs) Yeah, he starts working on a science fiction rock opera titled Songs from the Black Hole. Around this time, too, he's listened to a lot of opera, and specifically the 1904 opera Madama Butterfly, with its tragedy and emotional depth, and wanted to put that into his writing. Essentially, um, Madame Butterfly... Pinkerton refers to uh, the main character of Madame Butterfly. Madame Butterfly is a story of an American sailor who uh, marries a Japanese woman uh, out of convenience, essentially. Cho-Cho-san. Cho-Cho's listening to Cho-Cho-san. Fall in love all over again. Yeah, so he he falls, he sort of, you know, he marries her out of convenience. He ends up abandoning her. She is pregnant with his child. She has his child. He comes back, but he when he does come back to visit, he has his new wife from the West with him, and she would end up killing herself. And this, this whole... Opera serves as this metaphor for or, or connects with him in these different ways that is also connected with his touring. Um, just so people, because I feel like if you don't know what it is, uh, like it's de- you, you, you've definitely it's a very sad opera. I'm, I'm sorry, hold on one second. I, I, it's just I have an expert in the house. Uh, hey, Marie. Hey, hold on, guys. It's important. I got an opera question. What's that real sad song from Madam Butterfly that everybody knows? Uh, it's called Un Bel D. Hold on, I'm sorry. Get a little closer to the microphone. Thanks, babe. It's called Un Bel D. How's it go? Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Un Bel D. Levo. Levo. Un de fumo. And it continues down. And the lyrics are really happy, but the melody goes down, which is why it's a song of contrasts, and that's the one everybody always hears. <laughs> it's also the the Barney Gumble, don't cry for me, I'm already dead song. <laughs> See, yes. it's very important that we that Rivers Cuomo was into that mu- uh, opera specifically. So also at this time of creating, by the way, thank you so much <laughs> for that, Marie. That was amazing. Uh, it was also around this time that whole one leg shorter than the other thing comes into play. He has this very intense leg surgery to lengthen his right leg. The whole ordeal had Rivers 
in a very dark place mentally. He's spending a lot of time in a hospital, which is depressing. He's unable to walk without a cane. I think about the bone lengthening surgery all the time, Holden. It is like one of my weirdest things that like every short person who has ever lived is like, I can fix this. I just have to break all the bones in my body and have them held together by metal pins for months on end. So like for the writing and recording of this album, he's on a ton of painkillers. He's in a ton of pain all the time. Uh, he, he also, uh, in in reaction to becoming famous in, uh, you know, with the Blue Album and touring, he, he essentially decides to be, just become a hermit at Harvard. He grows out a big beard. He becomes unrecognizable as the lead singer of Weezer and just falls into this very, like, isolated life. Rivers said, at that time, I was going through this procedure on my leg where I had all these pins and spikes and wires going through my muscle and bone. And for a year and a half, and this is constant pain, and right in the middle of that, I went and recorded the vocals for the album. So I just sound like I've been through a lot, and I think some of that is physical. In fact, why don't we hear the, I think it's the final refrain of um, of Get You, uh, where it's, this is beginning to hurt. Oh, oh, oh. let's hear a second of that. That is like real, actual. He, it is beginning to hurt. It is. It is. He. You can hear the pain in his voice. It sounds unlike any of his vocals on any other album than this one. There's just a rawness to it, and of course, they produce it itself as well. From the opening song, "Tired of Sex," which ruminates on Rivers' vast array of meaningless es- escapades with groupies, to "Across the Sea," which is based on falling in love with a young Japanese fan, uh, based on a letter that uh, she wrote to him, and feeling that quote, "I was very lonely at the time, but." At at the same time, I was very depressed that I would never meet her. This album is all about Rivers as a young man, recently made into a rock star, dealing with his own horniness and frustrations and love and an absolute desperation. And so, yeah, this is like his heart on a platter. This is this is just some of the darkest days of his life put into an album. It's very embarrassing. It's it's like, if you could imagine, you know, I know now there's YouTube, so people actually do this uh, on the regular, but putting all those embarrassing, just, I want to crawl into a hole and die kind of thoughts that you had in your adolescence and your first years of college and just putting that out there for like the world to listen to and, com- like I said, completely shit on and totally dislike... Even going into it, he kind of, I think he knew what was going to happen. He he had this to say to the Weezer fan club before the album's release. There are some lyrics on the album that you might think are mean or sexist. I will feel genuinely bad if anyone feels hurt by my lyrics, but I really wanted these songs to be an exploration of my dark side. All the parts of myself that I was either afraid or embarrassed to think about before. So there's some pretty nasty stuff on there. You may be more willing to forgive the lyrics if you see them as passing low points in a larger story. And this album really is a story. The story of the last two years of my life. And as you're probably well aware, these have been two very weird years. So, yeah, he feels that Pinkerton, the lead character of uh, Madam Butterfly, to be, quote, the perfect symbol for the part of myself that I'm trying to come to terms with on this album. He knows that this is a bad side of himself. He knows that this is, you know, uh, something that he, he 
is not happy necessarily to share with the world. So when the album gets trashed or 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 poorly reviewed and just, you know, cuz it's not the blue album. It's it's very not. It's very much The Empire Strikes Back, but obviously that was a lot more successful uh as a follow-up. It's also there's no real single that like uh-huh. there's a lot of catchy songs. There's a lot of driving melodies, but the self-produced sound is way harsher and rougher. Um, the, uh, like El Scorcho or, uh, the good life, just nothing is resonating or hitting the charts and radio play at the same time, at the same level that, uh, Blue Album did. And, uh, I I mentioned this earlier, 96 was a turning point for guitar driven rock where it was kind of on the wayside. This was a swing revival, ska revival and stuff like, uh, yeah, stuff like, uh, girl groups and boy groups coming back. So even the uh, the major mainstream audience that was eating this stuff up earlier is just not there anymore. And then we haven't brought these two people up before, but they they are even um, their names, I believe, are written and in, in the cover somewhere in the uh, on Pinkerton. They were the uh, first two people that created the Weezer fan club. Uh, Michael and Carly Allen, or is it Mikel? Uh, Michael, but it's spelled M-Y-K-E-L because they're both sisters. Michael and Carly uh, Allen, um, they're number one fans who they loved, always were doing, giving odes to, and uh, just super, super um, thankful for because they were there from the early on. They were tragically killed in a car crash. That's September of 1996. Uh, This is just such a dark time for Rivers Cuomo. Rivers said, everybody hated it. Critics, the majority of our fans, most of my friends and family, the other band members, everyone thought it was an embarrassment. One of the worst albums of all time. It's a hideous record. It was such a hugely painful mistake that happened in front of hundreds of thousands of people and continues to happen on a grander and grander scale and just won't go away. It's like getting really drunk at a party and spilling your guts in front of everyone and feeling incredibly great and cathartic about it and then waking up the next morning and realizing what a complete fool you made of yourself. That is a, a perfect quote to like, that, like capture that feeling. pains me to read that out loud. Like, I... I I've loved this album so much. Like, and to know that that's how he felt about it. And yet he's had, and what's great is we're gonna, there's a brighter side of the story later on. But just, man, what a brutal feeling that must be, especially when it's not a fucking embarrassment. It's a great fucking album. Well, it's such a weird, so like, it it's it flopped on launch. I, I I related in my personal experience that as a child that liked the blue album, Pinkerton did not I just had no point of reference for it. I totally get it. Yeah. And uh but for the hardcore fans that stuck with it and listened to it and were the right age to kind of have the a mirror of the feelings that uh Rivers was having, launched a thousand ships. The entire emo movement was basically uh kind of re- heard these emotions and was like it was a revelation that you could be this vulnerable and raw on an album like this. Uh, Jimmy Eat World, Dashboard Confessional, and uh, even Motion City Soundtrack has a quote. Uh, Justin Pierre from Motion City, Motion City Soundtrack says, not only is Pinkerton my favorite Weezer album, but one of my favorite overall albums of all time. It is messy, ugly, and raw, full of pain, humor, and brutal honesty. Let me put it this way. If Weezer were the movie Rudy, Pinkerton would be like the uh, playing for Notre Dame. Like it was like the culmination. It was like the the defining moment for so many fans. Right, right. And um, the weirdness thing for me, 
is Pinkerton's like roller coaster of critical reception where it was uh, panned at first, then all the children of rivers kind of like came into their own and started iterating on the things that Pinkerton did well. And it got elevated as this cult classic album, this indispensable piece of rock history. And now in our modern era, in like the 18 different twists of cultural criticism, now we're back to like, women who dated dudes that liked Pinkerton and being like, no, he wasn't in pain. He was just kind of shitty. Like there's the uh, bag of tricks and like the, the emotions uh, even, you know, in 1996 rivers thought he was like actually being like a little bit quirky being like, Hey, I don't know about you guys, but I actually like Asian women a lot. Isn't that fun? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> right. And now through all, again, so many layers of shit that has come afterwards, now it's like listed as like a major red flag on reductress and in feminist circles. It's like such a weird, uh, just constantly shifting perspective. I just will say that in my own experience at the time of my life, when I was listening to it, it hit hard. Yeah. And those songs really resonate. It's, it just reminds me of, of the person I was when I was that age mm -hmm. now. And so when I listen to it, it's like, you know, anything. Uh, I was going to say reading Catcher in the Rye, but I wasn't like an insane. Uh, it has, it is a very Catcher in the Rye kind of deal. Yeah. Where, like, just, uh, alienated it was youth, like, like being weird and horny. Yeah. It was, it went from uh, completely overlooked to praised forever. And now it's like a, well, how praised should it be? Like conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you're thinking we're way into this episode and we're just getting through the second album of Weezer's discography. But I will also say, this is like the most important yeah. part of the story. This is the part of the story to spend the most time on. It is really fundamental to the whole band's trajectory, and we will be spending quite a lot less time on Ratitude. <laughs> Man, you're really talking about Batman's parents a lot on this podcast about Batman's origin story. This is weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So over the next five years, Rivers Cuomo shuts himself away from his band, his friends, his family, everyone. Rivers said, I became more and more isolated. I unplugged my phone. I painted the walls and ceiling of my bedroom black and covered the windows with fiberglass insulation. As you do. Matt Sharp, who was seeing success with the rentals, he formally exits Weezer in 1998. He would be replaced by Mikey Welsh on bass. Meanwhile, the album is slowly becoming a huge deal. Bands like Jimmy Eat World, the whole emo scene saves the day in Dashboard Confessional. They're looking at Pinkerton as like their major inspiration. I mean, it's... It's, it's huge. Rivers even says the most painful thing in my life these days is the cult around Pinkerton. It's just a sick album, sick in a disease sort of way. It's such a source of anxiety because all the fans we have right now have stuck around because of that album. But honestly, I never want to play those songs again. I never want to hear them again. How could I? Can you imagine feeling that way about your own work? I mean, it's so awful, especially when people love it and slowly start to show that. I can only imagine it's how you feel when someone's like, "I love it." When you, I loved it on Roundtable when you talked about being a lizard who had sex with his mother. But I do. <laughs> Love that. Like, yeah, I couldn't imagine being like, um, so horrified and embarrassed. It's like, bitch, that made me who I was like, like, or I am today. I mean, it was so fundamental that, yeah, it would break my heart exactly to feel embarrassed about 
round table of gentlemen, right? Mm-hmm. It would, it would, that, that thought is so sad to me. So while at Harvard, Rivers Cuomo goes back to songwriting, and this time he just wants to create these perfect, tight pop melodies and lyrics that are a little less, shall we say, personal. He put together side bands to test some stuff out. He had one called Homie, which included Mikey Welsh. That's how Mikey Welsh ends up being a part of the band. Cuomo meets back up with uh, Bell and Wilson in 1998 in Los Angeles, and they start working on songs that were sort of essentially workshopped in Boston. Boston during that time with Homie and his other side projects. And at first, there's a lot of friction and difficulties coming together creatively. Pat Wilson even steps away from the band for a little bit. They finally get back together a, a couple years later uh, and for good. Wilson ends up sitting in isolation, writing 121 songs. This is, by the way, something he's going to... This is why they have 15 albums. He's a songwriting fucking machine. After a big show they do in Japan, they're hired for this huge concert in August of 2000. There's footage of it. Dude, them playing Tired of Sex at that show is so fucking good, by the way. It's awesome. He, It just reinvigorates the group. Lights a fire under their ass. They, they're like excited to play music again. They, but also uh, Rivers definitely wants to like, <laughs> bye Pinkerton, <laughs> brings Rick Ocasek back on as producer, and together they narrow down from 75 demos to 18 songs. And then, of course, it goes down to 10. It's always 10, by the way. Every album thus far is 10 songs. Rivers described the lyrics as, quote, very intentionally not about me, <laughs> not about what was going on in my life, at least in a conscious way. He also describes it as, quote, this record is purely musical. There's no feeling. There's no emotion. <laughs> I, I didn't think I would actually get a pull quote that sh- that sh- revealed exactly what I thought going through my head. The, uh, the album singles Hash Pipe, Isle in the Sun, and Photograph all charted great and brought Weezer back into the spotlight. So I go to the mall. I pick up the green album. It's been in fucking five years it's 2001 but the planes haven't hit yet it's the world still shiny and bright i i i'm but i'm still horny and lonely and and loving pinkerton so much deep in my guts of me and i put that cd in my car stereo and drove to my friend's place and this is what i hear If you want it, you can have it But you gotta learn to reach out there and grab it Cause everybody wants some love Shoot it from the stars above And though my heart will break this more than I can take I can never get enough So I'm like... What the fuck is this? And at the same time, it's catchy. I'm still so happy to just have Weezer, new Weezer tracks in my life. So it's all good. Uh, you know, Hashpipe's you a fun can't, single. It's very hard to be mad at Hashpipe, especially at the time. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. 
Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Island in the Sun is a very is a very breezy, enjoyable uh, poppy hit. Uh and yeah. Yeah, Island in the Sun, the song the Weezer song, the song that Weezer did. Again, I I just have to stress enough uh I, just just for on Spotify alone, if we're going by like number of plays. Yes. Uh Buddy Holly, 200 million. Beverly Hills, 142 million. Uh The Sweater Song, 68 million. Island in the Sun, 410,995,811. It is, it is, this is the, this is the song. This is the Weezer song. All the other Can songs are say, not. Spotify, who I love. Everyone check out Spotify. It's the greatest thing ever. You literally cannot listen to this, what we're saying right now, without having, without being on the app. Every time I put on a Weezer album, when the album ended, Island in the Sun would autoplay after that <laughs> album. I just want to throw that out there. So there's a little something to that as well. But regardless, the album does quite well. And Rivers Cuomo didn't have to like admit to the world how sad and horny he was yet again in some really like self berating lyrics. So, you know, win win for that guy, right? I don't know. Are you, I mean, listen to these lyrics On an Island in the Sun, we'll be playing and having fun. And it makes me feel so fine. I can't control my brain. Ugh, kind of cringe, bro. Pretty <laughs> sus. <laughs> Uh, so also during this time, I should note Mikey Welsh, unfortunately suffers a mental breakdown in 2001. And, uh, this was exacerbated by, uh, by drug addiction. And he ends up having to drop from the band. This is when, uh, he is replaced by Scott Schreiner, uh, who was a part of Vanilla Ice's backing band when he was full on new metal. So he's coming from a bit of a pedigree there. Scott Schreiner will be our bassist Now the lineup is complete now from here on out. Schreiner's first album with the band is Maladroit their follow-up this took a bit of a harder rock approach i i felt like it was a bit more of a return to form mm-hmm. they also hilariously tried a failed experiment where they would put demos online and have the fans give feedback but felt they were unable to supply worthwhile coherent coherent advice and chose the weirdest tunes to be included on the album the only one of which uh that was included was the track slob slob which is I think great is a really i love great slob. track I want to hear this album oh. that the fans wanted. <laughs> I, I want to hear that. I bet it was awesome. Uh, but just not, you know, not going to work uh, for Geffen or whoever uh, was their label at the time. Their lead single, Dope Nose, is, uh, again, constantly confused with Hashpipe. The, I did love, though, Keep Fishing, another catchy pop tune. Uh, that video is amazing with the Muppets. And it was a time when, like, we weren't getting enough Muppets. Like, mm-hmm. Muppets kind of went away for a while, and it was a really great way to bring them back. And I was so hyped for that, as I loved the Muppets. It lends to a certain thing that Weezer was doing, which uh, they end up, especially by the time we get to Make Believe, uh, they were really on the pulse of, like, early internet stuff. Yes. They were kind of... Uh, oh no, pork and I'm sorry, pork and beans is when they go full. Like yeah, we're an talk. internet band, we are a band that is there with you on the internet. We get proto memes, yes. Uh, but still, having uh, internet online forums, releasing tracks digitally, like Weezer is definitely on the ground floor with that level of fan engagement. And we'll be actually get to that video pretty soon. I will just say when it comes to the next album, Make Believe, 
they I cannot believe Rick Rubin was the producer for that album. I can. The man does nothing but make hits. I know, but I got, it's just so hard for me to think of this as a successful hit album, but it was. Beverly Hills, the lead single, of course, we've already talked about and made fun of and sort of lamented. Uh, but still the most commercially successful song the band has ever had. And uh, yeah, this is totally when I was done getting... Weezer albums, listen to Weezer albums. I, I, I've heard a lot of Weezer albums for the first time <laughs> in preparation for this episode. Um, and I will now say a couple of them will be in my standard rotation moving forward. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, this was such a weird time. I was so alienated from mainstream pop music, especially on the rock and roll end. It seemed like all of the people I liked when I was a kid in the grunge era were now doing these weird like rap-infused <laughs> tracks like... The the song that this was just behind on the charts was Holla Back Girl. Ah, uh, hilarious. Right? It was so weird. And I was, again, we are, right, Jake? We're listening to Rilo Kylie, <laughs> and we're listening to, you know, the Mountain Goats, mm-hmm. and it's just not, yeah, it's just like a completely different musical world, for sure. Uh, and, and on the hip-hop end, LP and fucking, you know, Def Jux and, like, you know, all this kind of all indie hip hop as well. Uh, but regardless, um, yeah, uh, uh, this was, I was so alienated. Talk about rivers being alienated from his own work with Pinkerton. I was so alienated from Weezer by this point. Uh, and then you have, uh, Rick Rubin returning as producer for the red album. I will say red album has some tracks that are, first of all, this is like, I think the first album that's almost an hour long. Mm -hmm. Every, almost every album's 30 minutes pretty much. And like, this one, they took some more swings that I was surprised by at this point in their career. Uh, I, one track I really enjoyed was The Angel and The One. Another track called King is sung by bassist Scott Schreiner. Uh, Rivers Cuomo is starting to relinquish some of his singing duties. And you already mentioned the lead track, Pork and Beans. Now, it's so funny because Pork and Beans, the title... The flow of it is just very like basic. How does it go again? How does I it- need some Rogaine to put in my hair. Working out at the gym to fit my underwear. Yeah, it's just very like standard melody, like so kind of basic in every way. So many Weezer songs has him kind of has Rivers just kind of droning through the part leading up to the hook. Yes. Uh, it's, don't worry, it's going to get there. And now here's the hook. Bum, 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 bum. Talk about formulaic, by the way. Another big thing that I never noticed until now was they they get for during this period they got heavily criticized because every guitar solo was just the the lyrical melody ah. without any deviation. So whatever he was singing, like the melody of whatever he was singing, he would just play the guitar version of that, and that was it was just the most phoned in solo like ever, right? So. Pork and Beans is actually written after a meeting Rivers had with Geffen Records in which they told him he needs to record more commercial bops, which is hilarious to me because to me, this is the time of them totally selling out. So he left pissed off, but he was inspired to write a song about being yourself and doing what you want. And it was also weirdly a big commercial bop. Uh, And the video, please watch it. It is the perfect time capsule piece of early internet memedom. Jake, take it away. I know you're enthusiastic about this. I mean, it's the, what if in a single music video, you had the Numa Numa kid, the Leave Britney Alone kid, uh, the Mentos and Diet Coke guys, uh, Taison Day. Like it's just all YouTube one point. 2008 is kind of the year of like the beginning of YouTube as a viral destination. And even there's even like a dumb shot of the uh, the dramatic hamster or whatever that dumb like bum 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 thing was. 
Uh, it's all there, all like they got the original people. And it's this weird kind of celebration of internet culture in an era where um, we were pre bad Super Bowl ads where they just kind of do the meme. Like, it's not like Bud Light says it's uh, damn, Daniel. Like, it's not that level. It was actually kind of heartfelt that like Weezer, this band you grew up with, is like in the narrative universe of this album is also hanging out on their computer watching the same YouTube videos as you. Right. Um, if you, another song, this is, you can hear it on the uh, deluxe version, I think, of the uh, Red Album. It's available on Spotify. Uh, no, no, wait, it's there normally. Uh, Miss Sweeney. I liked Miss Sweeney. Is a great little track. Miss Sweeney has, a, I don't know, it stuck with me. It has heart. It just got out because he did like an accent. Mm-hmm. It just gets out of the like, just... Same sameness of, of the Weezer song. Do, yeah, yeah, it breaks out of that mold completely. Yeah, and it just felt different. Yeah, the Red Album in its second half mm-hmm. surprises a little bit, and that is kind of cool. That was one of the cool discoveries I made while I was stuck in the mire of the late 2000s, early 2010s Weezer, which is like, in my, you know, for me, and I, I again, I hope, you know, I'm not shitting on anybody's taste because, dude, if you love these, I will say about these albums, like, it's not like, bad bad it yeah. doesn't like hurt the ears like and that's the thing and i will say all of these albums baby approved i had all of these albums on while taking care of my newborn and she was totally down she was she was vibing you know nothing is that that's the reason why i think we're so critical is like it just so does not challenge in any way or really have any you know everything's like we do a lot of drugs we do a lot of drugs or it's like uh, girl, you are my girl, and you're my girl. You know what I mean? It's just very like simple lyrics with that. That is just really, you know, by the numbers, mathematically made pop rock music, right? I, I, that, that's all. And if it's and that's the thing. If it wasn't for the context, that this is this is my grand theory is if it wasn't for the context of Pinkerton and the Blue Album just weighing over them, that Weezer music has to be important. It has to be this like life-changing experience. Yeah. I would be like, hell yeah, Rivers Cuomo. I love that he writes these uh, guitar-driven power pop songs. I love it so much. It's what a fun little band. And I would never resent them for it. Totally. And it's just that weird shadow that like just has created this this mythical conflict within their band's lifetime. By the way, I just want to throw it out there. It does not escape me that uh, my band, The Cowman, has a song called Drugs where we talk about doing a bunch of drugs, okay? I'm not I'm not saying I'm better than it, <laughs> but I'm also saying that it is, it is wall-to-wall that mm-hmm. with very little deviation or, or just, oh, that's new or that's a risk, you know what I mean, um, during this time in their career. I will say uh, We Are All on Drugs on Make Believe does kind of, um, it, it's... Of the Make Believe's tracks, that does stick with me. I do actually like that one. And also, I will say, they are doing cool things and having a lot of fun on tour. One of my favorite things they do around this time is called the Hoot Nanny Tour. They request the audience to bring their own instruments to play along with them. They even invite some of them up on stage to perform songs like Island in the Sun and Beverly Hills. And they're just having fun. And by the way, they're all like getting married and having kids and, you know, being working musicians. And... I will never, I, I think there's a track on um, the Black Album, I believe it is. And I was like, I heard it come on 
And I was like, huh, you got that right, Weezer. <laughs> and yeah, the first the first track on the Black album, uh, which came out in 2019, is called Can't Knock the Hustle. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you cannot. You guys have put out 15 fucking albums. You guys have been able to tour and work and make crazy good money you know, as a band for fucking decades, like you figured it out. All of us sitting around talking about Pinkerton, this and that, and selling out. We're we're the goons. Yep. We're the idiots. You guys have fucking killed it, and I'll never take that away from them. But I will take away from them uh, the title of the album, Ratitude. It Ratitude is bad. Was this bad. would probably be the low point. I mean, everything about it. The cover with the dog jumping, who is Sydney, who is the winner of a National Geographic co- uh, photo contest, I guess, or whatever. The name of the album, which apparently was... Um, Picked by Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson uh, told Rivers Cuomo to choose that, which, that title. Which, considering it's in 2009, it was definitely like, oh, we got Dwight. We got Dwight to name our record. Aren't we funny and cool? Yeah, it's just very like, who gives a fuck about... Uh, it just feels like, we don't give a shit. We're phoning this in. You idiots will buy it anyway. We'll make a bunch of money off it. That's what it feels like a little bit right it's just very it is like full mathematic pop approach systematic approach in every way and i mean there's a lot there is rap on this album that is bad there is uh oh songs like the girl got hot oh, which yeah, is about that good. girl that got hot when you were in high school that's the other weird part too you guys are pushing 40 mm-hmm. At this point in your career is 2009. It is now, you know, your first album came out in 1994. Why are we still singing about the mall and the girl that got hot over the summer? You know what I mean? It's just like, it's like, we know you're not like, you're so far from that. You know what I mean? It's a young man's game. If you have, let's say, it's like, violence. If you're wondering if I'm filing my taxes too, filing taxes too. Like it's, it's not the same thing. It doesn't. Well, I will make an argument for a little bit of honesty in their music coming up soon. But before we get to that, we do have uh, Hurley, which came out, which again is just like the guy from Lost and he's just on the cover. And like, what is this? Well, apparently, apparently, the according to uh, the guitarist, uh, he, he let it rip that uh, Hurley, the skate and surf clothing brand, a subdivision of Nike Incorporated, was sponsoring the album in its early stages. Ah. Unless that is a weird troll joke. (laughs) But I do have that quote of him saying that. And you know, Memories is a pretty fun track. According to Brian Bell, uh, surfwear company Hurley International was funding the record at the beginning of the process. Might be a troll. Might be a troll, but I'm relating it because it feels it feels like they sold out in this album. It takes a harder turn. But again, let me let me just look this up really quick. Hold on. Uh. New World Weezer. This was uh this was a song. Brave New World Weezer. Uh this is the this is the chorus. This is the dawning of a brave new world. I don't know where I'm going, but I know I will figure it out. Yeah. This is the dawning of a brave new world. No more hesitating. It's too late to turn back now. Yeah. It just means nothing. <laughs> I don't that's really your lyric. I don't know where I'm going, but I'll figure it out. Like, what does that even mean? It just, it's so empty. Like, this is like when Weezer just was, was seemed so, seemed at least so vacuous empty. And Rivers would even, be, would even say later on, be like, I was always being honest. I don't know why people are shitting on it so bad. But, but you know, it finally kind of started to become a little bit of a joke for, 
you know, ex-fans, for people who were, you know, more, you know, music nerd inclined for the Pitchfork crowd, essentially, which is funny that it's called Pitchfork. I mean, the song Where's My Sex, which is just a pretty much a novelty song about how his daughter mispronounces the word socks, is uh, not not exactly the kind of like ripped from my life uh, rock and roll that maybe fans wanted. There was a campaign at this point by fans. They were trying to raise a bunch of money to like just get them to quit. <laughs> they were like, just stop putting music out. I mean, it really was like a weird time. It's also in 2011, and here's my quote. I'll, I'll make this brief, my anecdote of uh, me going to see Weezer live. Mm-hmm. So I am like, could not be less of a Weezer fan at this point besides those first two albums. Still super love the Blue Album and Pinkerton. Uh, and I am also love the Flaming Lips. Still do. I'm a big, big Flaming Lips fan. Seen them multiple times. So myself and my friend Ben Kissel and his girlfriend at the time, we get tickets to see the Flaming Lips and Weezer at Jones Beach, which is, uh, it's a bit of a, we had to take a bus to get out there. One of the best venues in America that there's just the ocean behind the venue. It's like picturesque. Well, it's a really rainy, stormy day. We have a big bag of mushrooms and like a bottle of vodka mixed with something that we're like chugging covered in sweat and rain walking from the bus to this venue it just downpours we get there and a lot of the fans are like hiding up in the snack kind of area because there's cover we're like tripping our faces off we don't give a fuck we're like bring it on bitches let's get this fucking rainwater you want to peak during the middle of do you realize you are ready to ascend Wayne Coyne comes out and is like all right They say that we might have to shut down at certain points because of the weather, but we're going to put on a damn show. They start with, oh, they're also like, we're going to do something different this time. We're going to come out and do a few songs. Then Weezer's going to come out and do a few songs. Then we're going to come out and do a few songs back and forth, right? Just in case the show gets cut short and everybody gets to see the band they came for. It makes it makes sense in on paper. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what it was. That makes a lot of sense why that, that's why that was, it was such a weird choice. Flaming Lips comes out, they open with, yeah, 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 you know, <laughs> with all your power, the storm <laughs> kicks up, it's going crazy, I'm peaking, like, it's this incredible moment, um, and then a few songs, and it's like, every time Flaming Lips come out, I'm tripping balls, it's like the best psychedelic rock music, then Weezer comes out, Beverly Hills, <laughs> and then... To add insult to injury, obviously I'm there way more for Flaming Lips. Same with same with Ben. We're both despondent when Weezer comes out and starts playing this pop music. The crowd is way more there for Weezer to the point where when the Flaming Lips come out, that some of them are booing the Flaming Lips. Insane. I, I was like incensed. You know what I mean? And when they came out and played a couple songs off the Blue Album, I loved it. But it was so funny. It was like... It was so jarring. It was the most jarring way to watch a show, especially on mushrooms. <laughs> like, I couldn't tell you how weird that experience was. And uh, that's kind of where Weezer was at for me. It, it just completely confirmed all my thoughts of of the band and, and where they were at in terms of the sellout stuff and everything. Now, after that is when things get cool again. In 2010... Uh, 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 briefly, I'll just say in 2010, they released an album of unused recordings spanning their whole career titled Death to False Metal. It is okay. Uh, a lot of just the stuff that they didn't add put on Ratitude. <laughs> but also, they released a deluxe version of Pinkerton, including 25 demos, outtakes, and live tracks, as well as a third volume of River Cuomo's Alone series that you mentioned before. Uh, and it's titled The Pinkerton Years. And it was a bunch of demos and outtakes essentially saying, this is... We accept Pinkerton. 
Rivers is essentially saying, I accept Pinkerton and I, I am okay with it now. They even tore around doing the Blue Album and Pinkerton in full. It was like made for me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to see it, by the way. It sold out immediately. And I was so sad because I really wanted That was like the only Weezer concert, concert I would have been like so excited to go to. You can find bootlegs on YouTube if you want to feel that experience and just watch like uh, these four men just kind of hang out while an entire arena around them just belts just their lungs the lyrics at them. Rivers Cuomo said the experience of learning those songs again, singing them every night, working on them with the guys, and then being in a relatively small venue with a thousand of the most hardcore Weezer fans and hearing them sing every syllable, seeing them air drum all the fills. It was such an amazing experience. So it was a great feeling of validation from the fans for this album that was so personal to me and had been such a source of pain for years to feel loved and accepted for this very honest part of myself was inspiring. And it also, I think, revived his sense of wanting to be more honest in his music. And so he brings back Rick Ocasek to produce on the album. Everything will be all right in the end in 2014. And I love this full circle situation. This this album, check it out if you haven't heard it before and you were a fan like me of those first couple of albums. He even addresses the fan hate that he received in songs like I've Had It Up To Here, feeling frustrated with negative feedback and accusations of being untruthful in his music. Uh, There's another song, Back to the Shack. (laughs) He even asks his fans for forgiveness in that song. The lyrics, sorry guys, I didn't realize I needed you so much. I thought I'd get a new audience. I forgot that disco sucks. I ended up with nobody and I started feeling dumb. Maybe I should play lead guitar and Pat should play the drums, (laughs) which by the way is because we forgot to mention that for a while he got lazy with stage performance and was like, I want to be more free on stage. So he got the drummer, Pat Wilson, to play guitar so that he could just kind of fuck around on vocals and got a different drummer to sit in on drums and so just another and and you know phoning in the solos he also sings i finally settled down with my girl and i made up with my dad i had to go and make a few mistakes so i could find out who i am i'm letting all of these feelings out even if it means i fail because this is what i was meant to do and you can't put that on sale yeah yeah i love this i love this the way this story concludes with that even though he ends up putting out six more albums after this uh which is fucking crazy but yeah man like it's awesome and the the album is praised for a return to form i mean it ends on like a three-part mini rock opera yeah, like just yes. even to get that out of his system yes it's it's not a masterpiece by any means but it's this amazing like return to depth in his lyrics and honesty and and it, it's it's just so cool to see the the even the music critics that have shat on Weezer for so long. At one point, I think um, later on in 2016, Rivers Cuomo even tweets like, "I wish it was okay to be a Weezer fan again." You know, I mean, he's felt it too. It's, like the um, I went to the uh, Weezer subreddit and the uh, Weezer meme subreddit uh, called "Our Okay Buddy Holly," which is a funny joke if you're on the online too much. Um, <laughs> and uh, the running gag is like, hey guys, um, I'm like, I fell in love with a girl and I'm really happy and like, we're really getting along great, but I don't want to sleep with her because then I won't be able to be a Weezer fan anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's and all... like the, and someone else being like, that's why after I got married, I refused to have sex with my wife so I can still listen to Weezer. Yeah, totally. They have that, 
thing for sure. And I will say the the Weezer fans at that show did seem to kind of suck. I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm gonna throw it out there. I'm not gonna lie. You know what I mean? Maybe it was the mushrooms and the whatever. But um, and then they follow up. Everything will be all right in the end with the White Album, which is a bit of a return to the Blue Album roots. It is their Beach album. It's their Beach Boys album. And again, I'm gonna go ahead and say these two albums. Are going to be back in my or going to or not back? They're going to be in my rotation now going forward in terms of go-to albums. Uh, if I want to hear some Weezer, the White Album's great. I was so surprised at how much I loved this album. Like between that and everything will be all right in the end. And their newer stuff is is not that bad. I I'm going to briefly go through it because we can't. It's so insane how much stuff. Pacific Daydream came out. Um, it was originally titled The Black Album. It was supposed to be a bit of a darker turn. Uh, Cuomo described it as Beach Boys Gone Bad. I think you even said it kind of felt like it was like um, B-sides from the White Album a mm-hmm. little bit. Because uh, White Album has a very much L.A., California, Beach Boys thing going on as well. Uh, I really like the track L.A. Girls on yes. that one. It's a great track. Uh, we also have to acknowledge the Teal album where Weezer kind of acknowledged their own virality uh, after start, after fans uh, started a viral petition for them to cover Toto by Africa around the same time that song became a meme. And so they covered it and then released an entire album of 80s hits. There was the Take On Me cover that had a Finn Wolfhard music video. Very fun video. Uh, it's a nice selection of songs. My only criticism is that like, Every single song basically just sounds like, hey, imagine if Weezer played this song. Yes. That is, there's very, you don't even have to listen to it now. Incredibly by the numbers. Uh, Black Album, it was fine. I I think maybe of the newer stuff, that was my least favorite. It kind of goes back to that electronic, poppy kind of sensibility from before that nothing, not too many, not too much really stuck out to me. OK Human. I uh, loved OK Human. I thought it was pretty cool. It came out uh, January 2021. Uh, the opening track, all my favorite songs, has been stuck in my head all week. It is just uh, the Ben Folds fan in me. Yeah. Really yeah. likes the uh, orchestration and the instrumentation. It's a lot of stringed instruments. It's like Weezer with stringed instruments. It's like indie Weezer mm-hmm. a little bit, um, which I thought was pretty cool. You get a, gl- you know, there's like a little glimpses into his life with songs like Playing My Piano and Alu Gobi. Uh, just a genuinely, like, the kind of core power pop that I would love. And the the dream of Weezer in a Vacuum being just a fun, nice band that I would listen to all the time. And again, I think OK Human would also go into my rotation. If I want to throw on some Weezer that's not those first two albums, I would probably throw on OK Human. Van Weezer, a lot of fun as well. Um, It's very like 80s hair metal inspired. But again, it's just like if Weezer made hair metal, there's still you can't take the Weezer out of Weezer. You know what I mean? But there's some really fun guitar riffs and stuff like that. I will say I had an existential crisis listening to Van Weezer and the song One More Hit, where the chorus is Rivers Cuomo yelling, pump it up, pump it up, please, daddy, please, daddy. That was very upsetting for me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fine. I'm really excited for their next project. They're doing a four-album box set called uh, Seasons. And it will consist of winter, spring, summer, and fall. And each album will come out with each coming season. Mm. So I don't know when those are going to start dropping, maybe in winter, but uh, of of this year, maybe in 2021. But that they're so prolific, dude. That's 15 fucking albums. That's so much shit. It's ridiculous. This band is ridiculous with that and Rivers Cuomo is ridiculous with that and I love the full circle journey for for him and for the band and how they were able to really bring it back and they went so far kind of out into the popo sphere uh and and into the kind of like empty 
Poposphere and and really brought it back together and have have still and it doesn't even matter like my dumb opinion about it by the way if you love Ratitude love Ratitude it's a you know it's solid it's and and they're you know again jokes on us they're the ones who've been working successful musicians for years and working with a lot of people they've always wanted to work with and getting to tour around the world and make tons of money and raise families uh, and. All that good stuff. So, you know, good for them. So I had been, I was very curious about like what it means to be a Weezer fan in the modern world. I asked fans online. I was like, hey, if you're under 25 and like are a Weezer fan, like what is your deal? And it's a lot of people being like, well, yeah, I was a kid and Beverly Hills and Island in the Sun were everywhere. And I would listen to the albums and I would discover their earlier stuff and it would resonate. You know, that that cycle continued. And because they were kind of brought in in the post uh, fall of Cuomo, uh, you know, they were okay with the new style. Um, I asked online in a very informal poll, like, you know, is Weezer this like important band or is it just like this kind of power? I said, is it train, but for indoor kids? And uh, it was, uh, uh, most people said train for indoor kids. It's still not a cool band to like. Uh, And I had a very fun conversation with uh, my friend, Tony Wilson, uh, you might, he was like the host of Today in Nerd History on Dorkly, very funny guy, very creative guy. And he actually went to the Green Day uh, Fallout Boy Weezer show at Dodger Stadium last week. And he said that the dominant kind of Weezer fan was a weird mix of like genuine normie ass people yes. who were there just to like, you know, tan, healthy, like couples, whatever, like not nerds at all. And fathers and sons wearing matching Weezer shirts nice. to the point where you honestly could not tell who dragged who. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. a lot like uh, our our Rush episode, where just these legacy bands, like this core fandom has been with them this entire time. And they've gone on to have kids of their own. They've gone on to like talk about it with their friends. And, you know, like you said, yeah. respect the hustle. I do. And I think that's it. I think that's our Weezer episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I enjoyed the shit out of this, and I really enjoyed going through that discography, uh, even at its darker points. Yeah, uh, You guys are the best. Thanks for supporting us through everything. If you want to support us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew, $5 a month, weekly bonus episodes. Please join us for that. Patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Check us out over there. And uh, check me out, twitch.tv forward slash holdnatorsho. The one stream that's definitely back on is the Friday stream with uh, that I do with Jackie um, from LPN. It's uh, Jackin' with the Holdies on Fridays at 6 p.m. ET, but I will be back more consistently with my Monday and Tuesday streams as my uh, newborn uh, gains the ability to just not be just constantly in need of, of supervision and uh, feedings and uh, what do you call it? You know, parenting. Sleeps the word you're describing is night. parenting. Yeah, <laughs> constant parenting. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back on that soon, actually, probably starting in October. Uh, and that's all I got, Jake. Uh, check out patreon.com slash whizbrew for all of uh, uh, bonus episodes. Learn how you can join the Sunday study group, a weekly conversation with our uh, supporters uh, on upcoming episodes. You want to, we'll watch movies, we'll play games, we'll watch uh, on the Weezer episode. We just binged music videos and had a hell of a time. Uh, it's a really fun way to help shape the future of the show and to kind of uh, help us kind of get a handle on people's experiences with these various subjects. It's a very fun time. All of that can be on patreon.com slash whizbrew. Uh, also, it helps us live. It is uh, one of the primary means of being alive that we have. Oh, so yeah. If you want us to be alive, just saying, maybe just check out that website. Uh, I do streams now. I do streams. 
Uh, we did a VTuber episode and it intoxicated me. So now if you want to see me weekday afternoons, uh, check out uh, youtube.com slash puppet Jared. Uh, that is where you will find me. We uh, do tier lists. We play games. We, uh, I just dominate people in Jackbox and Gartic Phone. I'm an unstoppable beast. You cannot beat me. I am a goddamn machine. Uh, I mean, maybe you can beat me. Check out the stream. Maybe you're the chosen one. Uh, but until then, Holden, I'm going to have to say it. Uh, keep on whizzing. And never stop bruising. And ca- oh, can, can you take us out on a few bars of all my favorite songs off OK Human? I like that one. My favorite songs are slow and sad All my favorite people make me mad Everything that feels so good is bad, bad, bad All my favorite songs are slow and sad I don't know what's wrong with me This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.